Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Shift. I hope you've had a lovely week and hope you guys are doing well. I'm very excited about this week's guest. I actually felt like I learned a lot from him. He's a dating and relationship coach. Uh, his name is Anwar White and you can find him at getyourguycoaching.com. Also check out his podcast, Get Your Guy Podcast. But yeah, he was absolutely brilliant. He gave great advice and tips on how to date in today's world, especially for women. But I think it's relatable for everybody. Um, he gave a, advice on how to write a list of what you want in a partner, when to have sex, a casual date in, a multiple date in. So yeah, have a listen. And if you want to watch the video for the, this, the video is on the Patreon forward slash the shift podcast. And as usual, there's also solo episodes up there where I just talk about my personal dating life just if I don't get to talk about on um the podcast so please sign up it's pay what you want so uh you can you can put a dollar or a euro or 10 euro or 10 dollars whatever you want or five three um and all the videos there and then there's also stand-up clips there as well like work in progress stand-up clips so yeah but wouldn't that enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you at the end yeah so what what exactly does a dating coach do or what are you <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. Um, well, different dating coaches do different things. For me personally, I work with women to help them heal their hearts and to uh, learn how to date effectively, as well as become the best partner that they can be, yeah. right? Um, I think that anyone can get in, into a relationship, but it's about getting into the right relationship that's for you and becoming the person that can actually not just get a relationship, but maintain it and maintain a healthy one. So that, that means working on your boundaries, working on communication and asserting your voice, working on your confidence, right? All of those different things, working on your mindset. Yeah. Both in the dating journey and when they get into relationships. And so, so you will kind of go on this journey with them Um, you're kind of giving them advice as they go along. So how would you, what would be your advice on boundaries? Because I think that's a big one that people struggle with in dating and relationships. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's obviously going to depend on the person, but in the work that I've been doing for over a decade now, um, most women uh, specifically have a really hard time setting boundaries. Mm. One, because I think that when, when they grow up, um, when they're children, there aren't a lot of boundaries that they ha- are empowered to actually set, right? You're generally told what to do and you have to do it or there's going to be an issue. So saying no to your mom or dad is something that's out of the question pretty much. So that actually hap- that happens when, when women become adults as well and it's harder to say, no, I don't want to do this. I'm not comfortable with this. This doesn't make me happy. Um, because we don't want to come off as a bitch or rude or mean or any of that. So um, 
I think I give I think I give my clients license to be the boundary bosses that they are really, um, you know, to be right. I think that if you don't have boundaries in a relationship or in dating, then we don't know what's okay and what's not okay. Right. And, you know, I'm working primarily with women here. And so boundaries is everything when it, when it, when you're talking about feminine energy and, and in a relationship, right. Your, your power as a woman and, and many of these relationships, the majority of them is to set your boundaries and to let these men that you're dating or you're in a relationship know, this is okay, this is not okay. And his job is to make it okay based on what you've told him to do. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think that was a really good point as well to make that women are afraid to be seen as bitches. And that is so true because if you're if you're outspoken or you kind of say what you want, yeah, it's like, oh, you're being a bit of a bitch. And you're like, what? No, no I'm just, just communicating. Yeah, and I also think that I think it can be easy, easily perceived as a bitch if you are communicating your boundary in a certain kind of way. Yeah. Right. There's one thing to say, you did this to me. You're not supposed to, you, you know, you're an asshole and you should, you, how dare you do this to me versus it really made me uncomfortable when you said this. Yeah, it is. Right? In, it There's is a difference. In, absolutely. It is interesting. And I think like, I would like, like, I like to communicate. I don't show, I don't. But I did date a guy where I communicated each time and I said, I I actually don't think it's appropriate to always bring up your ex because he was comparing me to her and like all of these things. But then when I did break it off with him, he was like, what happened? And I was like, oh, you know, all of these things, A to Z. And he was like, but you didn't get mad. You didn't shout. And I was like, no, I communicated that it was uncomfortable and you continued to do it. But so sometimes as well, the other side of the coin is if you are communicating and you're saying nicely, oh, I don't want this. So other people don't receive it if you're not angry, which is very frustrating as well. We also need to teach the other side to understand and listen that the person is saying something important. And they're, even though they're asking nicely, doesn't mean that it doesn't like listen to their words. Yeah, exactly. I mean, in that example, he was probably very used to people yelling and screaming and fighting with each other. And that's what he considered love and communication. And that's not really sustainable or healthy. Right. So I just want to, you know, say that it is not the woman's responsibility to teach men how to listen to her. No, no, absolutely. That they have to come correct at the table by themselves. Right. And I that's that's what that's what I tell my clients. Right. That you don't have this unnecessary burden of their shit that they have to figure out. They're supposed to come correct. And if they're not coming correct, then there's no deal. <laughs> yeah. It actually, it's funny. A friend of mine, she's a comedian as well. So I'm just going to say her name, Tori Piskin, but she was just saying recently how she finds with women, we will see a guy who, what we look, we like the look of him, like stylish, whatever, but he might have like actual issues and we'll be like, mm, we can fix that. But then we can meet a nice, great guy who might have a bad haircut. And we'd be like, mm, I don't want to deal with that. And she's like, you could just bring him, get him the haircut. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I thought exactly. it was such a good point to make because I don't know, is it a nurturing quality in us that we're like, we want to help people. We want to look after them. But it seems to be the same problem with all of my girlfriends is they will try to fix someone who is, it's not our job. Like for me, I'm not I'm not qualified even to be <laughs> trying to fix somebody. The poor man, like, he yeah. shouldn't be looking for me to terrorize him. I can't see, I can't yeah. even put the it's, words. It's, it's unfortunate too, right? Because, you know, as we've grown up, we've seen our mothers and our grandmothers do the fixing, mm-hmm. do the giving to everyone and kind of ignore themselves. And so 
through just modeling, right? We, we take that on as if it, it's like the thing to do. But in 2021, that is not the thing to do. <laughs> Women have more op- options, have more agency, have more opportunities, are making their own money. And so they don't have to do the things that mom or grandma did. And it shouldn't, or it's going to overwhelm them and you're going to burn out and freak out, right? And so one of the things that I also teach my clients that I work with is being able to really let go of all of the focusing on other people and really be able to focus on yourself, right? I always tell them that you need to be self-centered in this love game, not selfish, but self-centered because in a, in a female male relationship, right? The woman is the center, right? And a good guy is going to want to focus on her and make sure that she's happy and she's content and comfortable and all of those things. But you also have to be self-centered enough to, be able to check in with yourself and know where you're at at all times and be, and be able to communicate that, right? And so that's why it's like, it's important for women to be self-centered in this love game. But how would you tell them? So I'm guessing that then they should do a lot of self-work before they even date. So how do you advise them to do that? Like, what are the... Yeah, so it's interesting. So I actually think that it's important to date and do the work in parallel. And that's how I have my program, because it's one thing like I can have conversations and sessions with people all day, every day, but it's another thing to actually get out into the field and get triggered by something (laughs) immediately. And then we can work on it, right? So I found that it maximizes healing and progression toward goals to be doing those things in parallel, right? And so in terms of working on oneself, it's it's really about understanding how you've navigated through the world and why, right? Yeah. Always knowing the answer to why and really getting in touch with your feelings um, to be able to um, get a better understanding and knowledge around why you're thinking certain thoughts, why you want to potentially do certain things um, so that we can maybe unlearn them if they don't fully serve you and then find a different way, another way to do things. This requires going through in your, in your childhood and healing some of those inner childhood wounds. It looks like going through your past relationships and doing an inventory of them to understand how you showed up and why you showed up in the way that you did and what you what sort of behavior you accepted or didn't accept it back then so that you can make changes in the future. It also means like when you are dating, whether it's online or physically, right, how you engage with these men um, and what triggers you and what doesn't trigger you and why, right? Because once you acknowledge it and once you know something's going on, it actually minimizes the triggering so that you can actually heal from it. So that's why I say it's important to do the work internally and then uh, externally test the inner inner work that we're doing. That's so true. That's so true. Because me and my roommate have had this conversation. I used to get very triggered when guys would say you're sensitive. But as I get older, I'm just like, yeah, I am sensitive sometimes. And it's more like it's a good quality. Like I'm like thought sensitive makes me thoughtful and stuff. But then once I addressed it, I was less sensitive because I was like, ah, they're probably just joking. Or ah, and then we just had this conversation where a guy she was saying called her sensitive, and I was like, you just gotta let him know it's a trigger word. Just gotta. And then if he does it again, then you know he's not listening to you and not. That's and right. Yeah. That's so, right. You get to be sensitive. That's the amazing part about being you, right? Your guy's job, your future boyfriend or husband 
is going to be really sensitive and considerate of that. And so that's why it's really important to be sensitive and see how they show up for you first and foremost. And if they're not going to adjust how they are and they're going to gaslight you and say that, no, you're the problem, you're the issue. That's not your future husband. It's so true. And I like when you give people that opportunity. So if I like my mother has mental health issues, but I so I don't like being called crazy. I don't I don't like the stereotype that women are crazy. I don't like it. But I've said that to previous partners. And then I remember one specific one using it then. And it's like, oh, well, now I just don't want to date you because, you know, like I know I'm right. And he just was like, oh, women are crazy. You're crazy over something like a a, a ridiculous argument. But I was like, oh, this is great because that's like it's like showing someone the red button and they can choose to press it or not. So it's like, I guess it's like being vulnerable. And if you are vulnerable, it's more of a strength because then you can walk away when they did because they could nurture that and be like, okay, well, I'm never going to. Never even going to be like a joke about bipolar or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. But and what about the vulnerability? So how do you teach people to be vulnerable? Because that's really hard, especially so for successful independent women. Like I'd be very uh, independent. I came from Ireland. Uh, I can do everything by myself. So it can be hard. I'm familiar. Li- I, I've had some Irish <laughs> clients, girl. <laughs> we are gold. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to give me the details. I'm quite familiar with what it looks like it's actually uh very similar to uh like a black woman very independent has probably grew up very hard and some of those family dynamics are actually quite similar uh and so yeah and so um i'm very familiar with uh being very independent but uh uber independence is a trauma response right It means that we haven't actually had our needs fulfilled in the past. And because of that, instead of relying on other people to do something, we're just going to do it ourselves because we we don't want to be set up for disappointment. And it means that we are not trusting of other people. And one of the things about being a woman in this love and dating game is that you are going to have to reduce your independence. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a... Um, yeah, no. So I was saying about independence. I always think of like three levels of femininity, right? The first level is like that girl who gets really nagging and clingy and calls and texts all the time and doesn't have great boundaries. And it just like overwhelms the guy and he doesn't want to deal with that because that's too much drama. There's too much pressure. The second level is like, uber independence, right? I can do everything by myself. Um, I don't need anybody, all of that. The problem with that is that if you don't need anyone, it means that you also don't need him. And a man gets his value by providing and helping you, right? His pleasure is based on your pleasure, right? So he wants to make you happy and that's gonna make him happy. But if you could do everything on your own, then he doesn't feel like he's of value. So he's going to leave <laughs> and find someone that he can feel of value to, right? Yeah. The third level is the level that I teach my clients about, which is um, knowing that you can do everything on your own, but allowing him to actually do it for you, right? It's a win-win, right? You get to take some things off of your plate, delegate a few things, and he gets to feel like he is someone that's important in, in your life, right? That he is making you happy in some way, shape or form. So for example, last week I was, it was taco night and I was like making tacos and 
I'm, I'm super independent as well. So like, I, I understand what that is. Um, that's why I work with just smart and successful independent women, because I know how to help them get out of that to actually connect. But usually I would just do everything by myself. Right. And then I, you know, I would, I would be, um, tutoring the kids while I was cooking and all of that. And I had to like check myself and stop. And, and I was like, mm, no, let me like, let my partner do something. So I was like, okay, you cut the tomatoes and the lettuce. And, and you know what? My partner felt great about that. Yeah. Contributing, right? Making things easier for me. And for the women that are listening out there, that's what men want to do. They want to make it easy for you. They want you to be happy. Yeah. So those are the different levels of femininity. And a lot of women get stuck in the first level of like, you know, no boundaries, super naggy. Uh, and then the second one, which is all about being Miss Independent 2021. But we need to be focused on the third one. That's how you're going to gain success in the love game. Absolutely. And I do think a lot of Irish women are probably in the second one where we're like, we got mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and I've even noticed with men I've dated, I've been like, I'm fine. I don't need you to do this. But then it's also as well, sometimes they can be like trying to fix everything, trying to do everything. So it is trying to find a balance. Let, of a him. Let him. What What's the worst thing that can happen? I guess so. But there is aspects where it does feel controlling, where I'll, I'll give you an example. I was dating a guy once who, when I was typing on my phone, went to take the phone to change how the typewriter thing is. And I'm like, my automatic reaction was, oh, how did I survive for 15 years without you helping me to write on a phone? And then he got upset, but it, it, it he could have just been like, hey, there's an easier way to use a keypad if you want. And I would have went, no, <laughs> I'm fine with this. Yeah. So or another response is, it makes me really uncomfortable when you yeah. snatch things out of my hand like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess my response didn't need to be. <laughs> no, it's not about that, but it's about communicating yeah. your boundaries in a certain Absolutely. way, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because when you say it like that, he's on the defensive, which yeah. means that he's going to fight back. Yes. And you don't need to argue, no. right? We don't need to argue with these men. Yeah. All we need to do is set very clear boundaries about what you like and what you don't like. And they can either take heed to them and say, yeah, yeah, I'm really sorry about that, or ignore them and make it your fault, at which point you have data to make sure, to give you a conscious, give you information about how you want to move forward with this relationship, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whether you want to engage or not. Um, You had asked earlier about vulnerability, which I think is really important. And um, if you don't have it, which many independent women do not, um, then you're not going to have a deep connection with anyone. Yeah. Right. Point blank period. Right. And so vulnerability is in the second module of my online program that I have, because it is one of the most important things that you can have when it comes to dating and relationships. As a woman who is going to be dating men, uh, I want to let you know that if you don't have this, there's no way that you are going to connect deep with him because he's not going to initiate the vulnerability toward you. At least most of the time he is not. And so it's actually the woman's uh, not job, but at least, um, at least in the beginning parts of a relationship to open what I call that vulnerability pool, right? Where you can swim in it a little bit, be vulnerable. And then what he'll do is he'll dip his toe in to see if it's safe, if it's okay. And once he knows that it's safe with you, he's going to jump in and swim with you in this vulnerability pool that you've, you've created. 
Why is this important? Because there are very few people in men's lives that they can be vulnerable with, truly vulnerable with, not even their guy friends, right? And so the fact that he can be vulnerable and feel safe enough to do that is going to make you um, someone that he cannot live without, right? And so that's why it's important for you to start learning vulnerability and not you personally, but I'm just saying in general, right? It is <laughs> it's important. That's why it's important to, you know, work on the vulnerability and we can do that in a variety of different ways, right? Um, you know, we can ask for help in small things, right? We can, even if it's like, Hey, can you give me a call at this time? Yeah. It's an ask. It's a request, right? This is about being vulnerable. Flirting is vulnerability as well. And uh, we can flirt a little bit. Um, there are other ways that we can be vulnerable as well. We can, like I was saying, ask for help. Um, we can also tell people more about ourselves, right? And so one of the things that I do with my clients is I always ask them for their highlights and their lowlights of the week. And I know that sounds like such a cliche icebreaker, but I do it because most of the women that I work with um, are not used to being able to speak about the great things that happen and the not so great things that happen, right? Because either they're going to be perceived as braggadocious or they're going to be perceived as complaining. And I want to just offer to you all that your husband, your future boyfriend, and is not going to feel that way. And he's going to want to know everything about you. Yeah. And you are, need to, you are going to need to be in a practice of actually communicating those things. So I'm okay, I'm fine, doesn't cut it. We have to be more descriptive about where we're at, right? Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's great for people to hear. Absolutely. And that's not even, when I think of vulnerability, I think of like pouring your soul out. So this is very, this is very doable, Yeah, well, this is the first step, right? I mean, there are levels to this girl, right? Um, Another thing that I would just say in terms of vulnerability is like, I I think about it in different layers as well, right? There's vulnerability in terms of just talking about a circumstance, something that's happened to you, right? For example, um, I played tennis when I was growing up, right? If I'm on a date, I'm sharing that, that's vulnerable. I'm talking to you about a past circumstance experience. Another way to get a little bit deeper is to, we have this level of circumstance. The the deeper level is the thought or the interpretation of that circumstance, right? So I can say, I played tennis when I grew up. The thought or interpretation behind that is, and I felt, and uh, I learned about discipline and hard work. And I met many people that I would never meet in any other circumstance, right? The next layer beyond that is the feeling, right? So we have circumstance, we have thought, and we have feeling. The feeling of that is, I felt oftentimes very much out of place because I was the only poor kid that was playing tennis around all of these rich people, right? So that gives the person that I'm just talking to, for example, you, a good indication of who I am and I haven't poured my soul. I've just used this, what I call a vulnerability matrix um, to share certain parts of myself because vulnerability, he wants to know how you're thinking and how you're feeling at all times. That's his roadmap to, to, to work with you, to deal with you, to engage with you, right? And so being able to think about vulnerability in that way, I think has been really helpful for a lot of my clients. 
And though, so when you're saying to do this, this is in the first couple of dates, right? Yeah. Well, well I, uh, the first couple of dates, I want to keep it light and yeah. fun and flirting. Although I do want, I always tell my clients that I want at least one point of vulnerability in each of the dates, right? Because he's going to remember that. And yeah. if there are men that are listening to this, she's going to remember that, right? That is Oftentimes true, yeah. when we think about dates, um, generally the commentary will be, oh, we had a good, like I had a good time, right? Or I laughed a lot. But like you remember the moments when someone's vulnerable with you. Yeah. It like hits you. Everything gets really silent and you like, there's a moment there, right? It's very memorable. You want to have those memorable moments on your dates, right? Yeah. yeah. Without, without fear of, is he going to accept this? Is he going to think it's too much? If he thinks it's too much, it's, he's not your person, yeah. right? That's, I do, that's it. I do have two questions. Well, the first one is how, but a lot of women will say that men will nearly come across very vulnerable. They'll share about their childhood traumas or like, exes or whatever very early on and then you date them and you kind of get a little attached and then they they don't want a relationship or whatever but they want to like emotionally uh vomit on you all this stuff and I've had I've had a lot of people and myself have that happen in the in the first couple of dates like maybe even date one or date two um so it's like they're being over vulnerable but not being vulnerable either because they're not willing to they're not actually looking for a relationship yeah yeah this is where boundaries comes in, right? Yeah. You get to say, hey, let's let's have some fun. Let's keep it light. You can tell me about this stuff later. Yeah. I like want to watch I want to watch this movie with you. <laughs> okay, that's good. So I like this because even for the men listening, and I think sometimes maybe men think it's good to like overshare so early where it's okay to so vulnerable can just be like, oh, you know, exactly like the tennis story. So that's great to hear. Yeah. Uh, there is such a thing as too much too, sh- yeah. too soon, right? And that comes off as red flaggish yeah. when you do that, right? Because it means that you're not in control of your own boundaries. And ultimately, if you're not in control of your own boundaries, how can I expect you to be respectful of mine? And how do you teach women how to identify red flags? Because sometimes some of my girlfriends and myself, we're just wrapping ourselves up in them like I've gotten better and I think because doing the podcast the past two years has really helped but I know that a lot of women I talk to will be like afterwards they'll be kind of like shocked it's like how did I not see this massive red flag yeah um I think that every woman can feel when something's not right I call it their hut their heart and their gut or feminine intuition or female intuition. I think ultimately they do know, but they don't trust it. So it's really about checking in with your body. If there are any moments where you do this, and for the people that are listening, I'm like, you know, slanting my 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 head a little bit in, in a questioning tone, whatever that emoji is, where it's like, you know, or when you're taken aback, listen to that. That's something that's really important. We get into what I call a scarcity mindset where maybe we haven't had a boyfriend in a long time. Maybe we haven't um, had some successful relationships. And so we want to grasp onto something that's not necessarily there. And the important thing to think about when it comes to mindset is that there are billions of men on this planet. And this guy is not the be all end all potentially. And so I think that's what happens a lot of the time when 
we justify it in our head in terms of, oh, I'll give him another chance or that's not so bad or no, I don't feel good, right? And that's where, again, boundaries comes in. That comment made me feel uncomfortable, right? Or I didn't, I didn't really appreciate it when you did X, Y, and Z. And then we see how they respond to it. Yeah, I, I currently- you need to speak up on all of those things. It's, imp it's important and it's up to you to do so. It's when we stay silent, right? And we just think that miraculously he's going to change patterns is when we get into trouble. No, it's so true. And like the podcast listeners will know I've had a ton of uh, failed situationships, I call them. Um, and from, I've tried to like have this growth thing, but I am now currently in a relationship, very new, uh, but I've had an issue where I said something like, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't like the way you said that. And he was like, oh, I was like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. And he was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize I I, I now hearing it. I'm like, yeah, that would, of course. And then we had a discussion about it and he hasn't. And I was like, oh, this is fresh. This is new. This is how things yeah. are. I didn't yeah. realize. Um, or I'd always kind of expect the man to pay for the dinner, the first dinner we go out. Um, and that's a, probably a cultural thing. And this specific guy has more money than me. And he said something like, do you want me to pay? But I was taken aback by that because I was like, oh, obviously he doesn't want to pay. And I was a bit, a little offended and like I split the bill. But then I brought it up to him afterwards. I was like, actually that I, you have more money. I want to be treated sometimes. And he was like, of course. And he was like, I just don't, you know, I've my, in my previous experience, I've offended a woman by paying. So mm -hmm. that's why I asked. It wasn't that I want to pay. And I was like, oh, okay. So we were able to have this healthy conversation about it, which is rare. I've had more things before where someone has gotten defensive and maybe I've brought it up wrong. Maybe I've brought it up angrily. So it was great. I was like, oh, so I did everything you're saying is so true. I think you bring up a really good point, which is that good guys, and this is something I have to tell all of my clients because it's a shock to them and they're not used to it. <laughs> good guys are going to be overly respectful of you. <laughs> right? And it's so, because he doesn't want to offend you, maybe, you know, you feel like you want to be an independent woman and, and pay for yourself and he's going to respect that of you, right? And so one thing that I want to offer to you is that sometimes like uh, these guys are going to be overly respectful and that's when you have to communicate. No, this is what I want. Yes, right? Please this pay is, for this me. is okay. <laughs> also, one thing that I want to offer about good guys is that it may start to feel a little bit boring. It may start to feel like nothing, nothing's happening. And I want to offer to you that Oftentimes it's not a, it's not boredom, it's safety and safety feels different if you've never really had it in a relationship, right? And so it's important to question when you are feeling a little bit bored by a really good guy is whether you, whether you, like you really don't like him or whether it's just safe and it feels natural and there's no drama and there's no, you know, arguments or anything like that, a good way to figure out if it's safe or if you really don't like him is 
take a good chunk of time, let's say three or four weeks and see if your feelings for him have changed on a scale from zero to 10, right? So we're at the beginning of June, let's say you're at a seven with a guy. And then you take this month and you've, you know, maybe you're still at a seven. If that's the case, you should let it go, right? Mm -hmm. You should be moving forward. If it feels like an eight, especially early on in the courtship, good, let's keep on, let's see where it goes. Right. Yeah. There are so many clients that I've had where it started out as a four and then ends up as a 10. Right. This is what I call compatibility versus chemistry. Yeah. I love that because I had a matchmaker on from Ireland and he said, because my girlfriends and a lot of my friends advice would be, oh, if you're not feeling it, you know, straight enough, if you're not feeling it straight away, don't go on a second date. And he said, no, no, I always tell my people to go on at least four to five dates because it takes some people to longer to open up. Um, and some people are shyer and they get more comfortable. But I went with that with this guy that I'm seeing now. I've known him for years. I never fancied him. I never even thought, I don't know where the chemistry came from one day. And I was like, this is weird. This isn't, why is this happening? So I was definitely pushing away from it. And then I did this interview and I went, fuck it. I'll give him four or five dates. And now it's like a month later and I'm like, oh my God, I think he's the best. I think I'm like night and day and I'm excited and I want to see him. And you know, he just asked me to be his girlfriend and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be your girlfriend. But I, if I hadn't listened to that advice, I might've been like, after one, I might've been like, no, I'm not too sure. But yeah. now I'm a hundred percent sure because I gave him that time and he's just amazing and easy and sweet and all, a lot of qualities I think I've wanted, but I've never had before. I love that for you. It's interesting because um, I call it the paradox of sixes. So After every date, I have my clients message me uh, either through messenger or via text and let me know, like rate the date from zero to 10. And I say, if it's six or above, we go on a second date or a next date, right? Most of the women that actually get into exclusive relationships, roughly 90% of the women I work with get into exclusive relationships while working with me. That first date is usually a six. Wow, see, and it's probably because it's usually we're, a six. we're used to some sort of, um, especially women who've dated toxic, you're, you're used to that kind of like passionate knowing straight away. And then any of those relationships I've had where it's been intense straight away, it has blown up in my face to like, yeah, like That's what very we call soon a flame I- out yeah. of a, a deadly da- dating pattern is what I call it. But I say it's a six because I think it's like, you know, in high school um, and you, let's say you were in a, like a, an honors class or an AP class and you show up differently with like a a fellow smart classmate or a dork than you would with the captain of the soccer team or the captain of the football team. You show up differently. You're probably showing more of yourself with your, with your classmate than the captain of the said sports team. Right. That's the difference between potential compatibility and chemistry, right. Where you're feeling these butterflies and everything like that. And, and, I'm so glad that you had this experience so that you know that butterflies don't make a great relationship. Actually, they go away within 18 months, like chemically and biologically. Chemistry fades after 18 months. So if you are riding your chemistry wave with a guy, 
it's going to be over quite soon and you got to figure out if there's something else involved with it. But if you're starting with this compatibility, you're going to be in great shape. So I'm excited for you. Me too. It's so great. And it's so great to hear that about the 18 months. I've never, I haven't been in a long-term relationship in like seven years. So I haven't even lasted past the 18 months. Usually the chemistry is like three months and I'm like, oh, I hate this. I, I get to see their personality then. And I'm like, oh, we're not compatible at yeah. all. And unfortunately, um, I know for comedian women, so I'm a stand-up comedian. A lot of my girlfriends have a similar problem, and I'm sure there's a lot of women who are in under industries. But where you're in an industry where you're in the limelight, you seem to attract a lot of narcissists. And every time I've had an issue with men I've dated, my girlfriends who are comedians as well, it's the same things we're saying, like the negging, the gaslighting, the wanting to date us because we're comedians, but wanting to be the funny guy, having an issue with that. And I mean, it's like we dated the same guy, but they're all from different places. They're from different walks of life. So we all recently were like, oh, they're just narcissists. That's, and so I, I has to be something with that. I, I don't know. Our job anyway attracts them. Um, and I'm sure independent, successful women in other jobs, too. I guess if you any way you shine a light, like if you're confident, there's something about narcissistic men who want that light as well. So it's hard to kind of like you have to like fumble through them to get to a good person who's so the guys that you were dating before were mostly comedians other comedians no 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 no. um this actually the guy i'm dating now is a comedian okay <laughs> i've never dated comedians but uh, and my girlfriends either the guys that they've talked about aren't comedians either they are comedians but um it's just guys who've seen us at shows or come to us from our instagram or so we've dated like fan type men I guess and in hindsight not a good idea no 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 not at all <laughs> but oh, all gosh, similar I'm sorry to hear that oh yeah, yeah but it's fine and it's fine but I, and I'm sure in other industries or other walks of life women have dated narcissists and narcissists are hard because you know they're usually seem very confident um and then they start to slowly neg you and gaslight you and you're like wait what what's happening and it takes like a little while to kind of realize what's going on yeah uh, although I think that if you're really in tune with your body yeah. and you do that head check or you yeah, feel something yeah. in your stomach or your cheeks get rosy and red and hot yeah. or your heart starts to palpitate a little bit faster or your stomach starts to feel a little yeah. bit knotted those are all the signs your body will tell you everything yeah. your intuition will guide you that's right. So and great so it's hear. even if it's the smallest comment, yeah. that's when you check it. So true. Because right? I did date a narcissist for a few months. Um, and I remember one of the first times he came out to my friends, I said something funny. And I this is my job is to be funny, but I said something funny. And I remember my ex in Ireland, every time I would say something funny this before I was a comedian, he would always say it louder and people would laugh at him. And then when I became a comedian, I was like, actually, that was really annoying that he did that. Why would he say what I said? He basically stole my jokes. And so this recent guy, I said something quietly funny and then he said it louder and everyone laughed at him. And he was like, yeah, I'm so funny. And I was like, mm. I did like a little head thing. And then three months later, I broke it off with him. But it's I should have went with that. Mm, this is weird. <laughs> Never doubt the, the head slam, girl. <laughs> Never doubt it, girl. <laughs> That's so good. Um. The person who reached out to me sent a list of questions and I thought this was a really good question like the dating mindsets shifts I'm not good at reading uh critical <laughs> to successful dating so the top so what are the dating minds 
Mindset shifts. I can't say too many S's. Do you want to just say mind shits? <laughs> <laughs> but I guess because I, I was thinking about this with my friend. Um, We do this like Insta Live uh, kind of talk about dating and stuff. And we recently just spoke about this, how women are now like ex- a point you said, we can we have our own money. We're independent. Yeah. We can get our own stuff. Um, and that is a shift. And so I saw this TikTok where a girl was saying, like, why are all these gorgeous, beautiful women single? And then a guy responded being like, well, guys don't uh, they like young, hot men don't need to commit now. They have multiple women and women's standards. They are standards are too high. Um, so there is that sort of dating shift where women don't need I don't need to settle with a guy. I have my own money. I have I, I might I don't really need to have kids either. I think less women are it's not as a priority. So it, there is a definitely a shift. Yeah. In terms of how to manage your mind around dating and relationships, I think it's important to realize that one, there are billions of men out there <laughs> and we cannot be focused on one, right? It's like having stocks. You never get one. All of the experts have a diversified portfolio. And so I think it's important to always be dating multiple men until you are in an exclusive relationship. Oh, that's amazing to hear. I would have never thought that would be the advice. That's so great to hear. No, it has to be. I always, oh. I call it Olympic dating. I love and so it. it's important to have a gold medalist, a silver medalist and a bronze medalist and be able to rank and rate them. Right? This, is, this is so funny because I've never multiple casually dated until before this guy, I was dating two guys at once. And then I kissed my friend and I thought because he's my friend I thought oh I'll just kind of put these guys on pause and now I'm with my friend so I'd never multiple but my it was nice having my attention split up with different people I wasn't focused on one person and then the person that I was meant to be with turned up or we'll see how it goes but for so far yeah but when you hyper focus that every little if you hyper focus on someone every little thing that he does or does not do means so much more when you have multiple people he can do whatever he wants to do. You're not focused on anyone. You become the chooser and not the chosen, right? And that's such a much more powerful position to be in when you are dating, right? It's like going to a, a you know a farmer's market. I would rather be the person that's going to each stand and figuring out if I want something from him than being someone in a stand trying to sell to this person, right? It's the same thing. And so you always want to be the chooser and not the chosen. That's another mindset shift, right? And this isn't about choose me, choose me, choose me, even though that's what the media and the movies would want you to think, my my loves out there. Um, This is about choosing a man that you want to be with, um, which means that I want you to be dating differently. means Olympic dating. And it means making sure that they show up for you first and then evaluating them second. What does that look like? Because I think most of the times what happens is that we evaluate them at the very beginning and see, do I like him? Do I not like him? It doesn't matter if you like him or you don't like him. If he does, if he's not showing up for you, if he's not making you a priority, if he's not treating you like a queen, then you can't go anywhere. It's a done deal. So we have to establish that first and foremost before we're evaluating whether we want to match up with them, right? So that means asking him to do things, right? Asking him to have a phone call, right? Asking him to do the things that you're comfortable with and see if he's going to be considerate 
see if he's going to, you know, be sensitive to your wants and your needs. This is about being self-centered and being confident enough to do that, right? Those are the men that are probably going to be good candidates for long-term relationships. Doesn't I, like, I have a client now that really likes a guy, but he's not showing up for her. And yeah. she's hearing my favorite line, which is he's out. Yeah. <laughs> no, it has to be because if yeah. not, you- so it's, it's a mindset shift, right? I think, uh, Generally, we would just try to figure out, do I like him? Do I not like him? Uh, It doesn't matter if you like him, if you don't like him. If he's not showing up for you, then it's a done deal and it's over. It's so true because, well, A, if they're not showing up at the start, I feel like men are putting their best, or women too, all of us, you're putting your best version first. So if they're not doing it at the start, they're not going to be doing it a year down the line. I feel that... It gets 10 times worse when you're in a relationship and 10 times worse after that when you're in a marriage. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if they're not being the best version of themselves straight away, you're not going to get it a few months later. And I think that's the problem where people think, oh, wait around, you'll get to know me. Um, but, you know, no, no, I agree agree with you 100% there. Um, I remember my grandmother saying something and it always stuck with me. If, it, if you're not having, if they're not, if it's not all great within the first year, you're not going to last 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's, I know I've ne- I've never since I've moved over here I've never been in a relationship longer than three months so cause, and it always was that after three months I always go I don't want to be with this fucker for 20 years so, yeah it's uh, interesting because I think what happens oftentimes is um after a couple of months uh, there are different phases in relationships right and yeah. after about three months three months the first three months is the honeymoon And then month three to month six is actually what I call the very comfortable period. When people start to get very comfortable and you get to see all of them, not just like the, I'm coming with flowers for our weekly date. I'm a knight in shining armor. No, this is where he sits on your couch, opens a beer, spills everything, unbuckles his pants, has his hand in his underwear, (laughs) farts in front of you watches like the movies that you hate because he wants to. That's the comfortable period. And so when you get past the three months in this relationship, which I'm hoping that you do, and it feels like you will, be prepared for that. A lot of people think that this guy's horrible. He doesn't like me anymore because he doesn't want to take me out. He doesn't want to give me the flowers. When in reality, that is actually a level of progress in a relationship and is actually um, a good sign. Yeah, because they're comfortable. Mm-hmm. I um, I actually, what I did, because I was having so many, you know, where you have to go, God, I must be the problem. But and I'm not saying that I have to blame myself, but I was definitely choosing the wrong man. And I am a tra- So uh, I liked why I, one of your questions was about childhood traumas and I, or childhood, childhood effects. And so my mother would, would have been quite violent and I and emotionally abusive. And I have dated emotionally abusive men with addiction problems. Like I've, I'd, at one stage, my cousin said to me, You're dating your mother. And I was like, Oh my God. And this is about two years ago. And in the past two years, I've been really focusing and trying to change what I'm attracted to. But one of the things, and I don't know if it was my dad who said it to me, but to write down the qualities, I think it was my dad, write down the qualities you want in a man and that it can't be if they don't have these qualities, you need to, you need to get rid of them. And I forgot about the sheet and I found it the other day and I looked at it and the guy that I'm seeing now has all of those qualities like checks off every box and there was nothing about what the person looks like there wasn't and he's not stereotypically what I would go for um he's just very different to anybody I've ever dated before but 
personality is exactly what I would want and I was like oh wow I feel like if you write it down as well maybe it's more than in your head it's like a like an exercise it puts it in yeah yeah definitely I definitely have some of those exercises in my program (laughs) one thing that I like to ask my clients and I'll I'll um you know offer this to your listeners as well is I want you to think about the things that you are missing or yearning for in your parental relationships, those are the things that you actually need in your adult relationships. So if you make a list of those things, let's see if your current guy actually matches those things. Then we'll know that he's actually hitting the things that you need versus hitting the things that you want, which are different things. Yeah. So for an example, if someone had a parent where their parent never showed up to their soccer games or whatever, football games for the Irish listeners, um, and then you have, meet a guy or a woman who is always showing up to your shows, if you do shows or if you're a singer or whatever, someone who shows up, that that's probably like a huge thing for you because you're like, oh, that's fulfilling a need. So interesting. Reliability, yeah. consistency. Yeah. It's so interesting though. And it's like, I like that because then you're going choose someone who did what your parent didn't or what you were lacking instead of what your parent did. Whereas before, for me anyway, I probably saw love as someone who was emotionally abusive or same as the guy I told you where he's used to people shouting at him. So that's what he saw as love. But if we actually go, oh no, actually that wasn't love and we were missing this element of love. I love this. This is so great. We're fixing everybody right now. <laughs> we're trying to. We're trying to. One podcast at a time, right, girl? <laughs> yeah, this is so great. Yeah, but like, for example, when you tell me your mother was emotionally abusive, then you're going to need to have someone that are going to be giving you words of affirmation, mm-hmm. someone that, that's going to be supporting you and your talents, mm-hmm. right? Someone who's going to be really sensitive to the things that you say and the things that you do. Yeah. No, it's true. I like I this is the first time I've ever dated someone who tells me I'm like a lot of men have been a little threatened with the comedy thing, I think, or they just don't want to or maybe they just don't like my comedy, but they would never compliment it or support it that much. There was like one guy who was very supportive, but the rest I remember one guy saying like, oh, you're not you're I'm not your target audience comedy wise. But then after we broke up, he was like, I think you're so funny. And I love that video you made us. And I was like, but you didn't say that when we were together. And whereas this guy always tells me I'm funny um you know uh has told me I'm beautiful every day which is I actually got a message before this being like enjoy your podcast like you're so beautiful I'm like yeah I want to be told I'm beautiful that's so nice I want him to think that I like words of affirmation that's so funny actually that you're saying that I'm like yeah that's exactly why I like it because I didn't get that as a child (laughs) yeah just figure out what you didn't get and that's probably your love language too (laughs) Oh, there was another question actually that you had that what holds people back to having a good love life? What does that mean exactly? So I guess. Yeah, um, I think we've we've touched on it before, but I think it's really about this level of vulnerability and trust that you have to have to bring to your love life, right? That if you're not um, being able to lower the wall so that people can really get to know you and see you and have an opportunity to love all parts of you versus the two or 3% that you show, right? Um, Then it's going to be hard for you to connect and find the long lasting relationship. But in that, so in that train of thought, I knew there was something I was listening for. How do you teach people then to be okay when they are vulnerable and it doesn't work out? So like dealing with rejection and not building back up those walls. Just what I just said, right? Um, 
as a black gay man, <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of rejection in my life. Okay, let's just say that. I'm okay, y'all. I'm married with three children. Life is grand. Life is great. I'm doing what I love and I'm really good at it. So please don't cry for me, Argentina. Um, But what I will say is that one thing that helped me through that and one thing that I try to teach my clients is that these people don't know you. They can't reject what they don't know. You literally, if you have a conversation with someone, they might know one person of you. Doesn't mean that all of the other parts, all of the experiences that, that have made you who you are, they don't know that. So what they're judging is a small piece of you yeah. that if you had said or done something else, maybe they would have liked it, maybe they wouldn't have. Your future person's gonna love it all, even the yeah. things that you don't even love about yourself. Yeah, and like I've I've definitely had rejection, but I think it hasn't stopped me personally. And I say this to my girlfriends because I'm like, I it helps me get closer to the next person because I I remember guys saying to me, I don't know if I want to be with you. Like, what should I do? And I was like, Oh, you should. We should end this. <laughs> and I wasn't upset or mad. And he was like, Why aren't you upset? And I was like, Because I don't. I would want to. We were only dating very newly, but I was like, I want to date someone who's into me. And I'm glad you're not wasting my time. I'm glad this isn't six months down the line or a year down the line. And if you're confused now it's better for you if I were your friend I'd be telling you we shouldn't date and I don't want to date someone who's not into me and so I think that mindset is always better because it's like they're not rejecting you personally or if you're vulnerable it's just you're they're giving you the time to meet the the person who's who's meant you're meant to be with yeah and I also think that dating multiple people you're not going to care if one of them goes out if one of them goes out then you then you have you put someone else on the podium for to become a medalist right this is great for Irish listeners because I think there's a lot of guilt for us when it comes to dating multiple people. Um, and I felt guilty with it for a long time. So it's every great. woman on this planet feels guilty about it. This is why I scream it from the rooftops. So Men have done this forever. You get to do it now. This is 2021. We are not being chosen. We are choosing. Right. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, so I think that media has socialized and conditioned women to wait and be chosen from one guy instead of actually be what I say, being the CEO of your love life, right? And realizing that these men are your interns. They work for you. They're trying to actually get a job in your love company. You get to say whether they get the job at the end of the period or not, right? Instead of the other way around. And do you recommend the women then bringing up the conversation of exclusivity and how, what is the time frame? So it's going to be different for every couple. Yeah. Um, in terms of, uh, look, I say that women should be bringing up everything because women set the pace of the relationship. Yeah. Men are always going to be in the present term. So you as a woman, it's going to be important for you to speak about what you would like. Again, this is about asserting your voice and boundaries. This is, this is about the other thing thing that I say about exclusivity is that I always tell my clients that I think it's important for them not to have sex before they're in an exclusive relationship. Because um, if a guy is having sex with you, there's no incentive to be in a relationship. That you're literally giving him girlfriend benefits already. So why would he ever want to label that? One. Two, um, when you have sex with a man, you are chemically bonded to him. There are certain biological things that happen to your body that make it hard for you to actually detach from a guy. Mm. 
right? You, you've had those girlfriends before that everyone knows that the guy is trash, but she's so, excuse my language, digmatized by oh, him. Me, me. <laughs> right? It, that it was so hard to detach. So this is about self-protection and self-preservation in this love and dating game. And so when you're kissing, when you're, when you're having a great time and he wants to get a little bit friskier, you can let him know, boundary. I don't really have sex with a guy that I'm not exclusive with. Yeah. And then that changes the conversation and the questions in his head, right? Now it's not, hey, I'm hanging out with this, this really cool girl. Now, do I want to hang out with her again? Now the question is, do I want to be exclusive with her or do I not want to be exclusive with her? Changes the conversation, right? Yeah. So that's, that's an example of exclusive relationships, right? There's, there's similar things that can happen for marriage, engagement, moving in. But as women, we, you set the pace of the relationship, right? You get to say, I always say like men are driving the car, women are on the, the passenger side with the GPS, yeah. right? Without any sort of direction, it goes nowhere. So you get to say when things happen, when they should happen and all of those things. And it's his job to make it happen. <laughs> no, that's so good to know. Cause then if you're not having sex as well, um, you're not getting as intimate, you're not getting as close. And I guess for me, like I do sleep with them. <laughs> I sleep usually after the third or fourth date, but I'm not exclusive with them. And I think, yeah, I probably would have saved some time because they'll, they'll still wait till the third or fourth date to sleep with you, but they might not be looking for a relationship. And here's the thing. I think that there's different timing for men and women, right? I think some women will figure out if they want to be, if this, if they want this guy to be the boyfriend on the first or second date, these guys are not thinking about that on the first or second date. It doesn't, it's like date six, seven, and eight, when they're actually thinking about maybe she should be my girlfriend. (laughs) Right. So there's like a disconnect between timing. So realizing that I think is something that is really important in terms of managing your expectations around the timing and pace of the, of the courtship. Yeah. So you, so you could nearly say to women nearly to hold off for six or seven or eight until they're exclusive. Yeah. That's so interesting. I've never held off for more than it's usually three or four dates, but I would have had, uh, I love sex. Um, but in hindsight, you know, the specifically the one guy where we were together for three months and we were technically exclusive, but he didn't, he kept dropping that he didn't want a relationship, which is confusing to me. Cause if you're exclusive, you are, so you weren't exclusive, not exactly. in his head. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, but it was digmatized cause we were having a lot of great sex and it was one of my best girlfriends. She's very direct and she's also from Ireland and she met him a couple of times and she was like, would you be your friend? Would he would he be your friend if you weren't having sex with him? And I was like, oh, yeah, no, probably not, actually. And she was like, yeah, I don't think you should be dating him. So <laughs> and it was such a thing that, oh, yeah, because sex can really cloud your judgment and the sex is great and I'd fuck him. But actually, he's kind of annoying in social gatherings and I probably wouldn't yeah. be friends with him. But yeah, the, the sex really can cloud your judgment. It's very true. You get attached. And I just want to preface that this is something that I recommend for my clients. They don't have to do it. You own your body. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do with your body, right? I am all about empowering women when it comes to that. But I know what the consequences of of what that looks like, especially when it comes to men. And so one of the things that we do first and foremost is figure out what exactly your love goals are. And I'm going to figure out what is the most effective way to get there. And generally that's it. 
And that's true. And of course, and there's a lot of women who like, or there's a lot of relationships where they've had sex on the first night and they're together still 10 years and all of that. Mm -hmm. But I think this is like what you're saying is it's steps for people who are looking for a relationship. And it is nice to get to know someone, their personality before that. I I think you are right um, to definitely hold it off just to actually get to know them. Because I, well, for me, for people who are like me, I get dickmatized. Oh my God, I've been dickmatized so many times. Girl, you and me both, sister. <laughs> I love sex so much that I'm like, I'll put up with a lot for good sex. It's bad. It's not very bad. Worth it. not no, worth it. it's not. This is Here's actually- the thing, though. Oh. This is what's really hard about it because women bring a lot of emotion to sex and guys don't. And so that's why it screws you over a lot of the times as well, right? In terms of messes with your mind, messes with your body chemistry and everything. Yeah. No, it is. I I had a guy recently enough um, where I slept on the second date, which I never do. I usually wait third or fourth date. And it just kind of ha- well, we had had a phone call date before. So in my head, I was able to justify it as the third date. But I definitely got feelings for him straight away afterwards. And then a couple of dates later, he was like, oh, I don't want to see you this week. I'll see you next week. And I was like, what, what are we doing? Like, you're not going to fit me in like for a couple hours in, in a week. And he was like, well, what are we doing here? I don't want to like be in anything that involves any sort of commitment. And I was like, right. oh, okay. I'm after getting attached here from sex and the sex was amazing. And he was just looking for something not even casual, just like cash. And I had said to him before we met up, I don't do casual sex. I don't do one night stands for sure. That just went in one year and out the other, do you know? Yeah, he did. You can say everything that you want to say, but if your actions don't align with it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, that's right? so true. That like, if you're doing something different, then now he doesn't have, you're not credible anymore, yeah. right? Yeah, that's so true. I'm trying to think, when did I sleep with this guy then? So, you know, but it's different. We were friends and I didn't sleep with him for the first uh, few days. He got to know you. Yeah, well, he went down on me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I, we don't count that. We count <laughs> penetration is something that's quite different. Yeah, I was like, I'm not doing anything. I like to wait. And he was like, that's cool. Can I do something to you? And I was like, sure. I'm not doing anything back. And he was like, okay. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I love it. You were absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can the listeners find you uh, on Instagram? Yeah, they can find me in a variety of different ways. So my Instagram is getyourguy underscore coaching. Or they can go to my website, getyourguycoaching.com, or they can listen to my podcast called Get Your Guy. And we talk about all of these different things and we go much deeper. Okay. This was absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. You're so welcome. I want to wish you the best of luck on this new relationship. I'm so excited. Me too. Me too. I'm so excited. It's the first person that ever also got, got me a present. Look, you see that teddy bear over there? He got Cute. me a teddy bear. I That's love nice. it. Yeah. And he got me some other thing and he got your Irish tea for his house for when I come over and nice. he's ridiculously thoughtful. So I'm like, we love, we love to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully in like a month, you won't read Irish girl murdered by. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew that girl. I knew that girl. Well, it was all looking so well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you go. Thanks again. You are absolutely the best. You're so welcome. Thank you. Thanks again. And have a lovely uh week and i'll talk to you next week and again if you want to sign up to the patreon it's patreon forward slash ship podcast please rate review all of that but other than that have a lovely week and go uh follow on war white i have his instagram in the description and um yeah go check out his website and talk to you all soon bye
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 